comes from John chapter 12 and the first 11 verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for, on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. I invite Jeremy to come and give you bring God's word to us. We think that 
it's important that everybody does what needs to be done, the same as us. And Martha saw, thought that Mary should be helping her, doing the serving. So she complained to Jesus. And Jesus' response is very interesting. Because he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now please don't misunderstand this. Jobs do need to be done. It's not a case of everybody coming in on a Sunday and sitting down and listening. Because if you do that, the church won't be open. The chairs won't be out. The audiovisual won't be available. But on this occasion, it was the right thing for Mary to do, to listen to Jesus, to hear what he had to say. It was not right for Martha to complain that she was doing that on that occasion. The second occasion that we hear of Mary meeting Christ was upon the death of Lazarus. And it's quite interesting noting the relationship between Jesus and Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Because it actually says that Jesus loved them. It was something, his relationship there with them was something different from other people. And Mary, as mentioned earlier, has Martha. Lazarus had been ill. They believed that Jesus could have come and stopped Lazarus dying. They were upset with Jesus. And they had to come to terms with that. When Jesus did attend, after Lazarus' death, it was Martha who went to him, not Mary. Mary took her time. It was quite clear that Mary was upset with Jesus. Finally, she did come. And she acknowledges him for who she is. She says, Lord. But she complains to him. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's interesting. Although she acknowledged him for his lordship, her relationship with him was such that she could complain. She could question. And it's interesting as Christians, so often we think that we can't do that. That everything just happens and we have to fall in line. But the Bible doesn't say we can't ask God why. It doesn't say we will always explain. But he knows that we do get troubled, that things don't seem to go the way we expect. And we can ask God why. And on this occasion, it was interesting because she believed that Christ had the power to heal. <coughs> what she hadn't realised 
is that actually Christ has a power to bring somebody back from the dead. And that that was the purpose of this particular set of events. Jesus knew that there was a more important message. He'd healed people before. He was coming towards the time when he was going to be going to the cross. He had told his disciples that he would be raised again. But on this occasion, the death of Lazarus was going to be used to give him the opportunity to explain who he is. That he is the resurrection and the life. That he has power over life and death. And it's important, and it was important for us, for the people and for us to understand that. Because if we don't understand that Christ has power over life and death, and has the power to raise people from the dead, where is our hope? Our hope is in the resurrection and the fact that we will be raised. And here he was showing that to the people. And we know that that is what happened. Despite the fact that Lazarus had been dead and buried, he raised him from the dead. And then we come to this third encounter that Mary has with Christ. In the reading, we see that it takes place shortly after the raising of Lazarus. Not straight afterwards, because if you read the end of the previous chapter, Jesus went out into the wilderness. And then six days before his final Passover, he comes to Bethany. He's on his final journey. The journey that will take him to Jerusalem. The journey that he knows will lead to his death on the cross, but also his resurrection. And Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. So the people in Jerusalem, the high priests, those who were going to bring about his death would have probably heard that he was there. And once again, they are at table. He is with his friends, possibly other people. He will be talking to them. He will be sharing the gospel with them. Martha once again is serving. And Mary comes with this expensive nard, oil. Now, in the PSV, it says that it was about 300 denarii, about a year's wages. And she anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her she recognised who he was. She knew he was important and she wanted to serve him. But the way that she felt she should serve him was to anoint him with something that was so expensive. Now, she used something of the years wages. For what was in one way, a fairly minor thing, but it was in service of Christ. 
she was willing to give what was probably her most expensive possession in service of Christ. And we should take this opportunity to consider our relationship with Christ and what we would be willing to give in his service. We are reminded of the incident of the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. The rich young ruler came to Christ. He wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. It seems to have been accepted that he lived a good life. He lived according to the law. And he thought that that would be sufficient. But Christ turned around to him and said, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you own and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Because his wealth appears to have been the stumbling block, Christ told him he had to sell it all. What is our stumbling block? What is it that we find to be so valuable? that we find it hard to give up. It may not be a valuable possession. It may be a job. It may be a hobby or a friendship. Examine ourselves to see if we are truly willing to give up everything for Christ. Mary gave that expensive life. There is nothing, there is no earthly person or thing that is more valuable than accepting Christ as our Lord and Saviour and living for him day by day. Even if we are Christians, if we have accepted him, there may be something or someone who is stopping us serving him fully, who is taking part of our lives away from him. We need to be willing to give our all for Christ. Not only did Mary, though, give a great gift, she also showed devotion and service. She exposed her hair, which would have been unusual, and she used her own hair to wipe his feet. She was willing to lower herself to the role of a servant and to undo her hair because she wanted to serve her Lord. We are reminded also of the events at Passover where Christ washed his disciples' feet to show the need to be willing to serve one another. Again, how do we match up to Mary? How do we match up to Christ in our service? Are we willing to give up everything? Possibly give us up our dignity so that we can serve God and serve one another? Or do we think we are too important? I'm not going to get my hands dirty doing that job. I'm not going to be seen doing things. I mean, we've got a lady at church 
who is proud of the fact that she has the job of cleaning the church toilet. Something so many of us might think, mm, there's a cleaner or somebody who looks after the property to do that. But she is actually proud of the fact that that is the job she has been given. Are we willing to allow ourselves to be lowered in the eyes of others so that we can serve God and serve one another? Mary did. He gave up his throne in heaven to become a man, to die on a cross, to serve us, to save us, and to be obedient to his father. What are we not willing to do? And perhaps we need to think about that and be willing to do that as God's with us. Going on through this passage, Judas then interferes. We all know Judas Iscariot, we've heard of him, we know what he ultimately did. But in this passage, he questions what Mary is doing. How often do we question the activities of other people serving Christ? He says, this oil nard could have been sold and we could have helped the poor. Yes, there are times when we should be raising money, giving money to help the poor, doing other things to help the poor. But on this occasion, Mary felt the right thing to do was to serve the Lord. His criticism, we know, was based on very wrong motives. He, we're told, wasn't really interested in helping the poor. He wanted to help himself. He wanted to have more money that he could spend on something. We're never told what he spends the money on, but the disciples obviously knew some of what he was doing. But what I want us to take from this is to look at ourselves and think when we criticise either verbally or in our hearts the actions of other Christians, whether in the church or in other churches, it may be the way they worship. They may say Amen in the middle of the sermon. <coughs> Or they may raise their hands and we find that an unhelpful thing or a strange thing. They may sit around having coffee during the service. They may go preaching in the streets. But in our hearts, we don't see that as the, the way of being a Christian. And so quickly we can criticise one another. As I said, sometimes it's verbally, but sometimes it's in our hearts. But even in our hearts, it is wrong. And what it does is it damages our relationship with them, but also our relationship with God. Because he may have put it on their hearts to do just that, to worship in that way, to serve in that way. We need to ensure that we are right with God. 
and leave others, unless they are actually doing something that is disruptive and damaging the church, allow them to worship God in the way that they believe they are called to do so, to serve God, to serve in the church. Jesus' response to all this is to say, leave her alone. He did not want criticism of Mary. He doesn't want us to criticise one another. He told them to leave her alone. And this Lord was to do with his burial. He knew what was going to happen within the next week or so. He knew that he was being anointed for his burial. This is a passage, though, that can be misused. Because he seems to be saying, let us spend it on me and not on the poor. That for the poor, you always have with you. But you do not always have me. This is not an excuse for not helping the poor. There are times to do that. But at this time, Christ knew that his time with them was only very short. And it was more important that they listened to him, that they heard him, that they worshipped him, that they worried at that point in time about raising money for the poor. It's to do with priorities. Our first priority is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We then need to do the other things. If we turn it upside down again, worldly things get in the way. They stop us worshipping God, they stop us serving Him. But they all have their place. As we are reminded in Ecclesiastes verses 1 to 8, for everything there is a season. Finally, in this passage, there's an interesting warning to us as Christians. It's a bit that many people don't notice. But in verses 9 to 11, we hear how the chief priests didn't just want to do away with Christ, but they also wanted to do away with Lazarus. They plotted to kill him. And the reason they plotted to kill him was because he had been raised from the dead and he was a witness to what Jesus Christ could do. And because he was a witness to what Jesus Christ could do, people were coming to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Now, we as Christians <coughs> should be witnesses of what Christ can do. We should be a challenge to those around us. We should be different. We should stand out. But when we do so, there will be those who want to destroy us. Perhaps not in this world, in this country, to kill us. But that is the case in many countries around the world. If you proclaim yourself to be a Christian, if you proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, you can be killed. 
in this country, we can be ostracized. We can be made fun of. Sometimes friends desert us. But we must hold firm. We are Christ's witnesses on earth. And that is what we are called to do. We shouldn't shy away from it. But we do know that that is the risk. Christ told his disciples that in the same way as he was being persecuted, they would be persecuted. We must be ready for that. We are here to serve 